Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? I am not Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim is in Canada. Everybody say, eh? <laughs> he is at his uncle's 92nd birthday celebration. How about that for 92 years? Yeah. Pastor Jim, we miss you, we love you, have safe travels, and we look forward to getting you back here, but enjoy your time with your uncle. I think it's awesome that he had the opportunity to go and be a part of that. And it's so good to be here with you today. My name is Andy Stovall. I am the Congregational Life Pastor here at this campus, and I am delighted to be with you today. Have you ever been disappointed by anything? Huh? Anybody ever been disappointed? Now, when I was a little boy, the reward we got for playing baseball and winning when we were in Little League, I don't know why I did this, but it just felt right. <laughs> I've been doing this, you know, and yeah. um, was we got, I got to go, uh, the whole team got taken out, and we got a peanut buster parfait at Dairy Queen. I love peanut buster parfaits. You can probably tell I still am having a love affair with them to this day. But I was on the way home from Raleigh the other day, and I decided I'm going to stop in and get a peanut buster parfait, Gary. It just was the right thing to do. I pulled in. I won't tell you the Dairy Queen because I don't want to, to mar anybody's name or anything like that. But I pulled into the Dairy Queen, and I got out, and I, I looked up at the picture of this peanut buster parfait, this mountain of ice cream deliciousness with a waterfall of chocolate syrup and peanuts and it's hot and delicious and melts in your mouth and it just, there's nothing wrong about it, I'm telling you. Even if you have a peanut allergy, you can eat this, okay? It's that good. It's that good. So I order my peanut buster parfait, and man, I'm like, if you have a peanut allergy, don't go get one, okay? <laughs> the preacher said I could do it. <laughs> don't do that. So I get it. They bring it to the counter, and I look at it, and it does not look like the picture <laughs> on the menu at all. I mean, the ice cream was there and the syrup was there, but they were at the bottom of the bucket of peanuts and they were salted peanuts. So I got some peanuts with about seven pounds of salt. <laughs> My blood pressure went up to about 250 over 210. I don't know. It was high. And uh, I'm sitting there eating it. I've never taken a peanut buster parfait back. I've Nancy, I've never had a bad one. I mean, even when people were new and they didn't know what they were doing, it was still good enough to eat. And I sat there and I'm eating this thing and I go to the parking lot and say, well, maybe if I get in the car, it'll start tasting better. And, and I got in the car and it got worse. I mean, there was more salt the further down I got. And I had to take it back in and I said, this is bad. <laughs> Just give me my. They said, well, we're out of peanuts. I said, well, why would you sell me a peanut buster parfait if you're out of peanuts? I was disappointed. Now, that's nothing, right? That is a nothing. 
If that's the biggest problem I got, I don't have any problems, right? That's a pretty simple thing to fix. But we've, we've all faced disappointments like that. Maybe we faced disappointments where people let us down. Somebody, somebody on the left side of the auditorium said, you got that right. So... <laughs> God bless you. Thanks for coming today. <laughs> Maybe they didn't live up to our expectations. They broke a promise, whatever the case may be. The reality is we all respond to disappointments differently, right? Um, some may be demanding, you know, and I wasn't like that with that little goodie that I got, but I just went back and I said, you know, it's just... I'm afraid I'm going to be hospitalized if I eat the rest of this. So, you know, help a brother out. Sometimes we pout. Sometimes we're jealous. Sometimes we make accusations. And, you know, we all deal with things differently. But if anybody was a pro at dealing with disappointment, it was a man in the Bible that we're going to look at today. And his name is Moses. In Exodus chapter 15... Uh, is where we're going to begin, but we're not going to get quite there yet. You know, Moses went to Pharaoh, and what did he ask him to do? Let my people go, right? He said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said yes, didn't he? And then after he said yes, what did he do? He said, no, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going after them. And finally, after getting away from Egypt, he had to deal not only with Pharaoh, but the ungrateful Israelites. They constantly second-guessed Moses. And don't raise your hand if you work or maybe are in an environment where you feel like you are constantly second-guessed at everything you do. But that's a frustrating place to live, isn't it? When you feel like there's always somebody questioning, there's always somebody complaining and, and wondering why we're doing it the way we're doing it. At one point... They even looked at Moses and said, you brought us here to die. Now they were in slavery, they were in bondage, and they're accusing Moses who had gone and said, let my people go, set them free. And that's one of the reasons that it took 40 years for them to get to the promised land. Uh, you've heard many pastors preach on this before. How long would the journey actually have taken if they had taken it direct? 11 days, right? An 11-day walk. But they would get close. They would complain. And God said, okay, time for another lap. Time for another lap. I mean, have you ever stopped to think about in our lives... When we've gotten close to something that God wanted to do in our lives and we're right there and then we start complaining. We revert back to the old habits that we know and have. And he says, okay, time for another lap. Because you haven't learned what I wanted to teach you. In this series, we've talked about the feelings of being overwhelmed and depressed, resentful. We've talked about the feeling of worry and regret, and today, of course, we're going to be discussing disappointment. So as our story begins in Exodus 15, 
the Israelites are having a water problem. They had several water problems, didn't they, in their journey. When they left Egyptian bondage, what was the first water problem that they faced? The Red Sea, right? We got a sea in front of us and we got an army behind us and they're coming to annihilate us. We got a problem. We got a problem. And God parted the water. He did this tremendous miracle. And now in Exodus 15 we find there's another water problem. They've gotten through the Red Sea. They walked for three days according to Scripture. And now they've finally gotten to a water source. And well, let's see what the Bible says. Exodus 15 22. I'm thirsty talking about all that salt. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And then they came to Marah where there was water, but they couldn't drink it. Why couldn't they drink it? Because it was bitter. And that is why the place is named Marah. Marah is Hebrew for bitter. So what I want us to do in this section of this passage of Scripture today is I want us to pull out three basic truths about disappointment. And here's the first one. Our greatest successes are often followed by failure. Our greatest successes are often followed by failure. Only three days before we see this amazing miracle that God performed at the Red Sea. And they, it, earlier in this chapter, the very beginning of chapter 15, they're singing praises about how God had stomped the Egyptians and had parted the sea and they had walked through. And the very next day, what are they doing? They get to water that's bitter and they're complaining. Oh my goodness, I can't believe here we are. Why is it? Why is it that when we have a big success in life, that oftentimes a failure will follow close behind. I would argue that a lot of times it's because people become complacent. I would caution UMBC to look out. <laughs> don't get complacent. I don't know if that's what happened to Virginia or not, if I have any Virginia fans in here. I'm not picking on Virginia. But it is a great example. If you've watched March Madness, the greatest upset... And all of college basketball happened when? Two days ago? Never in the history of the NCAA has the number one seeded team in the whole tournament been taken out by a number 16 seed. And it happened. You know, well, that's basketball, Pastor Andy. But what it is is a picture of what can happen in our lives. We have a great victory. Everything's going great. And then we get careless. Maybe we're riding on past success. Um, and, and because we do that, we sort of we let our guard down. And so why did God lead them after the Red Sea to Marah? Why did he lead them to a place where the water was bitter? Well, Exodus 15.25 may give us a little insight there. It says, there the Lord gave the people a rule and a law to live by. And there he tested their loyalty to him. And what was the rule and the law? Well, it's not going to come up on your screen, but it is actually verse 26. He says, I want you to listen carefully to what I say. I want you to do what is right. I want you to pay attention to my commands and keep my decrees. 
And none of the diseases that affected the Egyptians will affect you because I am the God who heals you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to live by this rule and this law. See, God brought them to Marah to test their reaction. At the Red Sea, there was a, a great success. At the Red Sea, God's character was revealed. He set those people free. And he said, look, I'm gonna, if I set you free, you are free indeed. And here you are standing at this huge body of water. And you are sitting ducks. And the water will be parted because of, their, because of Moses' faith. At Marah, man's character is revealed. We've walked for three days. Three days. Slave or free? Three days free, right? And we get there and we're complaining. And we're griping. I can't believe. Here we are again. How did they respond? The people of Egypt, uh, of Israel rather, grumbled against Moses in uh, verse 24. Saying, what are we to drink? It was the typical response that he got. Criticism, complaining, griping. And that brings us to the second truth that we find in this passage of Scripture. And that is, the greatest services in life are often followed by forgetfulness. Can all the ladies in the house say, Amen. It's amazing how short our memories are. And if you wonder why I said, can all the ladies say that? Because Northwestern University did a study. And they found out that the average homemaker makes 35,000 beds in their lifetime. They make 40,000 meals in a lifetime. Whoever the homemaker is in your house, is anybody taking you for granted? <laughs> Man, that is awesome. <laughs> I love it. You got well. <laughs> mm. I don't know who came with you today, but they better they better get it right. Is all I know. <laughs> we got. We're going to learn something here today, huh? Oh, man. Oh, I'm about to cry. <laughs> oh, man. Husbands, do you encourage your wives enough? Wives, do you support your husbands? It's so easy to fall into the trap of forgetfulness. Our kids, you know, we sit down and you work hard and you prepare this meal or you do all these things. You you provide a vehicle and they, you know, they're getting in it going, this thing's a hunk of junk, you know. And I'm like, go buy your own and it won't be, you know. And then I'll have a not hunk of junk. So, uh, But we, we do that. And the mark of maturity is our ability to see and remember people's successes. The mark of maturity is to be able to recognize and understand and have gratitude for what people have done for us in our lives. 
And it's very, very important that we do that and that we don't fall into that trap. I saw a bumper sticker once that said, If you can read this, you are in debt to a teacher. Amen? I know what you thought I was going to say. If you can read this, back off, you know. That's, that would probably be my bumper sticker, but it wasn't that one. Um, but we forget so quickly what people pour into our lives, what people do for us. And disappointments can do that. They can cause us to become jaded. So all we see is just the negative and, uh, well, I know that's good, but it's probably going to turn out like this. And, and so here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at three things that we should not do with disappointment and then a couple of things that we should. The first thing that we should do when someone disappoints us is don't curse them. Don't curse them when they disappoint you. Romans 12 and 14 says, wish good for those who harm you. Wish them well and do not curse them. Don't retaliate, strike, uh, to strike back or try to get even. It's amazing how creative we can be when we're disappointed. Have you ever ridden on your lawnmower? It's, it's springs coming and we get on that lawnmower and somebody's done something we didn't like and we can ride around that whole yard and every lap we're thinking more and more, oh, I know what I can do. Oh, yeah, that'll be, you know, we rehearse things and go through the, these things. Winston Churchill, some of you have heard this before, had an encounter with Lady Astor, and she said, if, if, if I were your wife, I would put arsenic in your beer. And Winston Churchill looked at her and said, if I were your husband, I would drink it. She said, sir, you're quite drunk. And he said, yes, madam, but you're ugly. And I'll be sober in the morning. <laughs> Makes us feel better, but that's not the right response, okay? Here's the truth. The moment we decide to take up our defense in our own strength and in our own power without praying, without seeking God, we've pushed him out of it. So don't curse those that disappoint you. And then secondly, don't rehearse the hurt. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, anger and slander along with every form of malice. And the reason this is important is because every time you rehearse hurt it gets bigger and bigger and bigger when you focus on that and you go through that over and over it just becomes this gigantic thing if you don't believe me have you ever thought think back about a situation in your life that just got completely blown out of proportion and when you really got down to brass tacks and looked at it for what it was you're like what are we so upset about what is going on here and that's why. Thirdly, don't nurse the hurt. Don't feed it. Don't take it personally. Now, guys, don't get mad at me here. Don't have a pity party. Okay? Everybody has been disappointed. 
at some point in time in their life. I've disappointed some of you. And you know what? You've disappointed me. Nobody in this room. It's the other crowd. That's right. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the devil get a foothold. See, anger is energy. When we get mad, we, we clean. If you're a cleaner, buddy, you go in there and some of you, your spouse, when they walk in the door, they know, boy, I'm about to get it now because it is spotless in here, you know? I mean, it is clean. I can smell the Clorox. I am in big trouble. Some of us drive fast, you know? We get mad and we're running. I'm glad none of my family's here to talk about me traveling long distance because sometimes, you know, people just, they shouldn't be on the interstate. But anyway. <laughs> God gave us anger so we would deal with issues. But when we rehearse and nurse that anger, it becomes resentment. It drains our energy and it leaves us exhausted. And it turns to Mara. It turns to this pool of water that is bitter. And every time we turn to get a drink, it's bitterness that we drink. That's why Job said in Job 18:4, you're only hurting yourself with anger. See, the question isn't will you be disappointed? The question is when you're disappointed, what will you do? What will you do when you're disappointed? How will you respond to that? I would encourage you to do what Moses did. And this is what he did. There are two things I would encourage you to do when you're disappointed. One, disperse that disappointment. And what do I mean by that? Exodus 15, 25a says, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, Give it to God. What's our first step when we're disappointed? What's our first step when we're let down? What's our first step when we're upset? Go to Him for perspective. Because, amen? Yeah, you can clap for that. Go to him for perspective because in our own mind when we're disappointed, when we're hurt and when we're looking through those lenses, nothing good's going to come from that. Alright? We're going to always be able to conclude why that person was, was this or that or the other. It's not going to come up on your screen but 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares on whoever will listen to you because true friends love a juicy story, right? Is that what it says? No, it says cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Instead of gossiping to others, instead of lining up people to get on your side, take it to God. And then secondly, let God reverse it. Let him turn it around for good. One of the best illustrations of this is found in the life of Joseph. Beginning in Genesis chapter 37. I mean, he got a vision from God, right? And what was his mistake? He told his brothers about it, right? I, I grew up, I only had two brothers. Man, I wouldn't, I would have never told them that, you know. I would have been penny locked in my bedroom. I would have been able to get out of the house, you know. But he had a dream and he, it was that he was going to be in a position of authority. And the next thing you know, he's sold into slavery. Forty years of misery. He's hurt by his family intentionally. 
But Joseph let God reverse it. Joseph took it to him. And because he did, he became the second in command in Egypt. He saved the entire nation of Israel from starvation and his family. In Genesis 50 verse 20 it says, You intended to harm me, Joseph said to his brother, but he said, God intended it for good. Moses did the same thing. In Exodus 15, 25b, And the Lord showed him a tree. And when Moses threw the tree into the water, the water became good to drink. See, God directed Moses to a tree. He showed him something that had been there all along. And this is important. Because if Moses had been wrapped up in self-pity and focused all on himself, he never would have seen what God had provided right in front of him. He wouldn't have seen it. And that brings us to the last truth, and that is the greatest shortages in life are often followed by fullness. See, he threw the tree into the water, and it became sweet to drink. And then it says in Exodus 15 verse 27. Then they came to Elam. Where there were 12 streams. And 70 palm trees. And they camped there. Near the water. <laughs> Springs and palm trees. Their faithfulness got them to a palm springs vacation. How far was Elam from Mara? It was five miles. It was right around the corner. I'm convinced that one of the reasons that this story exists in the Bible is to demonstrate for us that we quit too soon. We give up too fast. We get frustrated and disappointed and we start looking around at others and we give up and too often Elam is just around the corner. But we're so busy complaining about Mara that we can't see it. Some of us stop at Mara. And it becomes such a part of who we are, bitterness, that we can't let it go. We can't give it up. So here's what I want us to understand here today, God didn't bring Elam to the children of Israel. They had to get through Mara first. He didn't just bring them to Elam. He didn't say, okay, you're out of Egyptian bondage, so all is well. Nope. Came out of Egypt three days without water. And then the first thing they came to to give them something to drink I mean, three days without water. I don't know how many of you have ever done that. I haven't. <laughs> On a day, man, I was thirsty at the end of that day. But they had to go through Mara. And some of us that are here today are standing at Mara. And we're looking at a pool that is bitter. But Elam. It's just around the corner. Would you check out this clip with me?
Hi, I'm Donnie Pipkin. I'm Lynn. And I'm Jacob Pipkin. Um, here to give you, I guess, a little testimony about uh, this roller coaster we've been on since May of 2014. Um, I was diagnosed with kidney cancer. Um, went into the doctor's office and they done a, a CT scan. She said I had a 10 centimeter mass, which pretty much meant that my left kidney was totally encapsulated. We've had it pop up and in different places. Um, I had it to go to come back in what they called a nephrectomy bed, uh, which is where the old kidney was. Um, then it moved from there. They radiated it. They, um, well, I had a, a major, like I guess a nine hour surgery at Duke to go back in and get more cancer out of that nephrectomy bed. And then they found it in my spleen. Um, it went from my spleen. I had radiation there. Um, I, then it was in my, in September of uh, the 30th, I had um, my clavicle removed. It moved to there. Uh, my C1, C2 um, in my spine. Then it went, they found a place on my lung. Um, diaphragm. diaphragm. And now the latest, which I'm fast forwarding, it's on my T1 and they just radiated it back in December. I'm still on chemo. I have been on chemo pretty much the entire time. It's gonna be what it's gonna be, it's God's will. Um, it's been a journey, I will tell you that for my wife and Jacob also. Um, when Donnie was first diagnosed, it's, there's just kind of a surge of every single emotion that you can feel. Um, and for me, a lot of that was anger um, that was directed at God that, you know, we were just basically starting out our lives. When Donnie went into surgery the first time, you know, it's kind of the longest three hours of your, your life, but the doctor came back out and said, you know, we got all of the cancer, this 90% chance it would not come back. And again, you know, just, I just felt so much shame because I was so angry at God the first time that, you know, God just truly works miracles if you let him. But then, you know, we went back three months later and, you know, that was a completely different story because then they had found, like Donnie said, another five centimeter tumor and a diaphragm. We met with the oncologist. The oncologist in Greenville basically told us that Donnie wouldn't be alive in 24 months and there was nothing he could do and referred us to Duke. Duke um, said that Donnie could have surgery, but it had only been done twice. And that to basically make sure all of our affairs were in order, that surgery wasn't completely successful. They weren't able to remove all of the tumors. So again, you know, his prognosis was still grim, but we were very, very hopeful. We just put all of our worries in God's hands and, and just took it from there. When it all first happened, I did go through the thing of depression. I went through the thing of, you know, of thinking of suicide. And then I thought, you know what? I, you were brought up better than this. You know, God's got this, you know, you, you got to get over it and move on. And I, I got over it. And I, since all that, since the suicide thing, you know, I have, not look back. I said, you know what? I'm going forward. I've got my wife. I've got my youngin to live for, and and I have, and that's what I've done. And 
again, thank God for everything. If you're going through depression or something, reach out to somebody. Cannot stress that enough. Talk to that person, a good friend, a pastor, or, or whoever. Just but please talk to somebody um, and talk to the right person to get you the right answers, the right help. Um, you, you don't have to wing this or do it by yourself. You know, so we're still fighting and it's been three and a half years since they said he wouldn't be alive. Um, you know, and so we are extremely grateful that God has allowed us to continue to fight. But you know what, we are blessed. Uh, I, I can just say God has been good to me. He's been good to my family. Um, if you did not know me and knew my story, you probably wouldn't even know that I had cancer. That's how blessed I am. In the um, season's sermon series from Pastor Jim, he had said, you know, instead of asking why God's doing this to you, ask what he's trying to teach you. And that's been extremely profound to me. And I have lived by that since he said that. We get so caught up in, in trying to be strong for other people that we lose the focus on ourselves and we lose the message that God may be trying to put through to us. That's right. Having a roller coaster of emotions is completely normal and to just kind of embrace the feelings that you're going through, keep <clears throat> praying and putting your faith in God and if you let him, he'll continue to work miracles and we're hoping that he'll continue to work miracles with us and Donnie and our family. Thank you. I didn't tell them I was going to do this, but Donnie, Lynn, would y'all stand and just wave at the congregation? They're here this morning. Love you, brother. Sunday, here on Wednesday night, serving faithfully, working hard, he's a CPA, does taxes too, I, maybe I shouldn't have said that Donnie, but uh, <laughs> you got led out of Egypt, and three months later you found yourself at Mara, but instead of cursing or rehearsing or nursing, you chose to give it to God. But see, I know that Donnie and Lynn's not the only couple that has a story here today. They're not the only people here who face disappointment. And as I said earlier, as we were reading that passage of Scripture, in verse 25b of the 15th chapter of Exodus, it said, The Lord showed Moses a tree. And it made the water sweet again when he threw it in. And it reminds me of another tree that God is directing us to today that can turn those things that are so bitter in your life to something beautiful. Maybe you're at Mara. Today, and you wish you were at Elam. You wish you were at the place with 
12 springs and 70 palms, but the water is bitter where you are. And the question is not, why am I disappointed? The question is, how am I going to respond to my disappointment? Moses was directed to a tree. And this morning, I want to point you to the cross. To that tree on which our Savior died. To that tree on which he felt every disillusionment, every pain, every hurt we would ever feel. And he took it all on for you and for me. See, he was removed from that cross and he was placed in that tomb. And this Easter season, we celebrate that that tomb is empty. Our God is not dead. He is alive. And he is available to you right now. And so as we close this morning, I want to ask you a question. What do you feel like giving up on today? What is it that you walked in here today and said, I just don't think I can do it anymore. You're at that place of, of bitterness. and I'm going to ask you this morning, will you turn to the tree that brings healing and hope and help and forgiveness, how will you respond this morning? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do by faith. I'm going to ask you. The cross is available to each and every one of us. And your first step through Mara may be coming up here to this altar and saying, God, I'm giving it to you. I've cursed. I've nursed. I've complained about it. I've held on to it. And today, I'm giving it to you and trusting you because I know you are the only one that can reverse it. I'm believing for Donnie Pipkin that Elam is just around the corner with all my heart and I'll never quit praying, Donnie. That you reach it. Your Elam is just around the corner. Would you be bold enough to bring it to the cross today? Would you come? Could we all come? There may be somebody that just is waiting for one person to move. Would you move by faith and say, today I'm bringing it to the cross. I'm taking that step away from Mara to Elam. And today I'm bringing it to the cross where Jesus died. Where he suffered. And where all healing and hope and deliverance and freedom and liberty abides. I know there's not room for everybody, but if, if those of you that are still seated, if you can just come in behind them, I want us to pray together right now. God, as we... As we come to this altar, 
For some of us today, it is a step of faith. We've been hurt. We've been disappointed. We've been disillusioned by life. Maybe, maybe your Mara is, is sickness. Maybe your Mara is a relationship that dissipated and completely fell apart. Maybe your Mara is a, a relationship with a child that is strained or broken. Today, God, we look to the tree that has always been there. We bring all of that brokenness and disappointment and pain. We come to you, God. And we lay it down. Oftentimes, Lord, we're guilty when we come to lay things at your feet. It's almost like We've got it on a, on a hook on a fishing rod and we, we cast it out to you. We cast that care and then we reel it right back into ourselves. God, we lay it at the foot of the cross today. Maybe your Mara is one that I have in my life and many of you deal with as well. And that's aging parents and sick parents and Roles are changing and reversing, and it's, it's hard just to do that, but it's even more difficult to see those people that were so strong, and they were the rock of our family, withering and hurting and disillusioned in their own pain. But God, today, We by faith come to the tree, trust in your grace and strength and mercy, and know, Lord, no matter what happens, that Elam is just around the corner. So we're not going to quit, and we're not going to give up, we're not going to stop. We're not going to let bitterness take root, but we are by faith going to trust you. And we're going to give it to you and watch you make something beautiful out of something that we can't see any beauty in at this present moment. So God, take it. We give it to you. And we thank you. For how you're going to turn that thing into something amazing. A tremendous testimony that is going to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God, take our disappointment. Take our hurt. Take all the feels that we've talked about today, God. Take them. We lay them at your feet. And we trust in your sovereignty today. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you're at the cross right now. Would you be so bold as to give your life to him? Would you be so bold as to trust your heart?
with him. God, if there's anyone here today that needs to do that, if there's anyone here today that has strayed from you, and today they are coming back, God, I thank you for receiving them with open arms. I thank you for loving them purely with no ulterior motive, but just loving them because of who they are, because you died for them, because you're passionate for them. Lord, we thank you for hearing this prayer, and we thank you, God, that when we turn to walk out of this place today, we're going to walk out with some stuff off our shoulders, a burden lifted, and we're heading to Elam, God. We're going out that door on our way to Elam. Thank you, God, for making that which was bitter so sweet because of Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray all these things. Amen. Can we give God the glory this morning for what he's done? I want to thank you for the honor of sharing with you today. If you have made a decision for Jesus, we do have a, an awesome way for you to let us know that you've done that. You text New Life to 55498. Let us know that you made that decision. If you want to pray with some of our